The unsurpassed, penetrating, and perfect truth is seldom met with even in a hundred thousand myriad kalpas. Now we can see and hear it. We can unregister and accept it. I vow to make the Buddha's truth one with myself. Homage to the Buddha, homage to the Dharma, homage to the Sangha. So this morning, um, I wanted to continue the series that I started a few weeks ago um, entitled Attitude of Gratitude. And this is part three and counting. <laughs> okay. Um, I had um, originally, um, um, I, I'm following as an outline the first three vows of Samantabhadra Bodhisattva, who's the Bodhisattva of great love. And he made ten great vows. And the first three lend themselves um, to explaining um, the attitude of gratitude that we want to cultivate in Buddhist practice. Um, originally, I would have talked about the a second one, which is called praising Tathagatas, or praising Buddhas, which um, is about uh, scriptures. But as you'll see, um, it uh, shifted, and given that we've done the uh, festival ceremony for Bodhidharma, um, things took a, um, a turn in my preparation and I re realized there was more to a talk about bowing, which is the first of Samantabhadra's vows. What I'm trying to do in these talks, in this series, is point to the underlying meaning of these ceremonial forms and how we can incorporate them into our daily life. For instance, um, with the, the first vow, bowing, um, it's not just about bowing to a statue on an altar. You know, it's learning to recognize that all things have the Buddha nature. Everyone has the Buddha nature. And we can bow in gratitude to everything that we encounter. Okay? Um, someone asked me, you know, what was the relevance of these talks for um, lay trainees? And um, I wanted to clarify that um, these talks are not just for the monks, they're for all of us. And um, because they're pointing to a, a figurative meaning, a non-literal meaning of uh, conventional ceremonial forms. Okay. Um, and just to give you a little context, which I hope kind of makes clear that these are for all of us, lay trainees as well as monks. Um, when we talk about the vows of Samantha 
Bhadra Bodhisattva. Um, they're formulated by uh, in the Avatamsaka scripture, one of our major scriptures of the Mahayana or northern branch of Buddhism in which compassion is given equal weight with wisdom. Um, Sudhana is a lay pilgrim. He's not a monk, okay? He's a lay person who is intent on the truth. And he goes on a pilgrimage and encounters 53 different teachers um, that he learns from. Um, you know, many of them are not monks. Over half of them are female. So he learns from a wide range of people in his pilgrimage. Second, um, Somantabhadra Bodhisattva, um, who is also often depicted um, with female gender. Um, in fact, I think she's going to refer to him as she because the depictions are usually feminine or androgynous. Um, a good example is in our um, dining hall. There's a triptych of Shakyamuni Buddha in the middle and Samantabhadra is on the left. And she's holding a, a lotus um, blossom and riding an elephant. Um, and she represents great practice, great love. On the right is Manjushri who represents great wisdom. So you've got practice in wisdom you know, enshrined there. Um, if you look closely, uh, you'll see that um, she, like most of the other great bodhisattvas, um, are not dressed as monks. Um, she has long black hair, she has a crown, um, she's dressed in all the finery and jewelry of Indian or Chinese nobility. Um, so that's another clue that uh, these vows are for all of us. Um, a third clue is that um, these vows are not meant to be taken literally. Um, we look for the spirit of the vows and they're very much like the bodhisattva vows that we take in our renewal of vow ceremony that the monks do here um, twice a month, which everyone is invited to. They're not just for the um, our renewal of the vows by the monks. And they be, the, the vows we take in that ceremony begin however innumerable beings may be, I vow to save them all. You know, it's an impossible vow, okay? Uh, but we make it anyway. Um, and let me just read to you from the Avatamsaka scripture uh, these vows, uh, this particular vow, um, of Samantabhadra to just to, to give you an idea of um, the vastness of the vow and um, 
show how it its purpose is to open our minds to infinite possibilities. Okay, uh, the vow is not possible to keep literally, um, but we make it anyway. It's to push us beyond our conceptual and discriminatory minds to something much deeper, you know, something um, much more profound than the ceremonial form of bowing. So um, the first vow begins before the lions of men. Um, the Buddha is often referred to as a lion. He's the king of the beasts. Okay. Before the lions among men, throughout the worlds of the ten directions, in the past, in the present, and also in the future, with body, mouth, and mind entirely pure, I bow before them all, omitting none. With the awesome spiritual power of Samantabhadra's vows, I appear at the same time before every thus come one. Thus come one is a translation of Tathagata, which is how the Buddha usually referred to himself. Um, it, you know, it doesn't translate into English very well. It means something like, um, come like this. Or, or, and the vow continues, and in transformed bodies, as many as motes of dust in all lands, bow to Buddhas, as many as motes of dust in all lands. And it said um, another place in the scripture that there are a, a billion Buddha lands in every moat of dust. So we're talking about an infinite number. Okay. And it continues, in every mote of dust are Buddhas as many as motes of dust, each dwelling amid a host of bodhisattvas. Throughout most motes of dust in endless Dharma realms, it is the same. I deeply believe they all are filled with Buddhas. So here, Sudana. Um, visualizing, you know, a billion, a billion Buddhas in a billion Buddha lands. And he says, I'm going to bow to all of them. And I'm going to appear spontaneously in front of every one of them and bow. Okay? It's pointing to the fact that, um, as great Master Dogen says, everything is Buddha nature. We can bow to everything that we encounter. We can bow to every difficulty we encounter and see it as some form of teaching. Um, we can bow to every person that we encounter and work to see them as a Buddha. Again, someone to learn from. What can I learn from this situation? What can I learn from this person? Um, when we make the uh, gasho, you know, we, we put our hands together in front of our 
hearts, palm to palm. Um, um, I think in um, uh, that's sometimes um, uh, called Anjali. Okay, is is the mudra of respect and reverence, and in the East, you know, it's become the custom that um, this is how people normally greet each other. Okay. And it means I, I respect the Buddha nature in you. It's a form of respect and veneration to each other. Okay. Um, I did a um, talk several years ago um, uh, on bowing. And um, it said there's, I think it's, Seven, but I th it may be, tw there's 12 different forms of bowing. <laughs> All the way from full prostrations to just nodding one's head. Okay, so it may be a little awkward, you know, to make a show to someone in our uh, contemporary society, but we can nod our head, you know. In fact, I think we already normally do that when we you know, pass someone in the street or in the grocery store. And we can remind, remember that that nodding of our heads is a bow and what that means, okay? Um, so Buddha, um, Sudana says he'll bow to... Um, you know, all these Buddhas throughout all space, okay, uh, everything. Um, but he also includes that he's going to um, bow to all the Buddhas throughout all time. Okay. Not just the Buddhas of the present, um, but the Buddhas of the, the future. And this is an expression of the bodhisattva vow that we're just going to keep training. You know, we're not going to give up. We're always going to go on. Okay? And um, as it says later um, in the scripture and is echoed by um, Shantideva in the um, way of the bodhisattva, you know, which some of you studied with Reverend Master Mayon, our abbess, um, you know, in the summer, and um, as the, it's a verse that the, apparently the Dalai Lama always um, ends his talks with, and it goes, as long as earth exists, as long as all beings exist, as long as acts or karma and afflictions, suffering exist, so long will my, my vow remain. Okay. Um, it's important to really plant this vow deeply in our stream of consciousness, you know, so that um, we, it becomes who we are. Okay. And then life after life gets stronger. You know, and we have greater opportunities to practice. Okay. 
Reverend Master Jiu, the, the founder of our monastery and the teacher of many of us, emphasized this by um, the phrase, always going on. She used that a lot. And it's, um, she even put it, um, um, used that in the scripture of great wisdom, which is the main scripture of the Zen or meditation uh, tradition. Um, in the mantra at the end, and um, is often translated um, gone beyond, gone beyond Buddha. But she translated it as, as at the recommendation of her master in Japan, as going, going, going on beyond, and always going on beyond, always becoming Buddha. So our training is always progressing. You know, we, we don't give up. We always continue, re regardless of the circumstances. We go on. Okay? Um, this is where, in the... Um, preparation of this this talk I had to take a um, uh, an abrupt turn um, because I remembered that Bodhidharma had a teaching on bowing and it's uh, in accord with what um, I was saying in my opening um, remarks about taking the ceremonial form and using it in daily life. Uh, the litany that we did in the ceremony uh, is taken from an, a work by Bodhidharma called uh, Discourse on Pure Meditation. And it can be found in this uh, translation called Buddhist Writings which were Master Hubert, um, uh, our late translator, made for us. Um, it's a, it's um, quite, a, quite a long writing, and we only did a, a section of it this morning in the ceremony. And it's uh, a conversation that Bodhidharma had with his disciple, Taiso Eka, in Japanese or Ko in Chinese. And um, Ko is asking him about all these forms of practice. Um, he asks him, you know, for instance, about uh, fasting and um, keeping to a monastic diet and circumambulating a stupa and scattering flowers and offering lamps. And Bodhidharma, um, in each one of these um, um, instances, points to the underlying meaning of the form. And so I just want to um, read what he says about bowing. This is Bodhidharma. Also, Making obeisances, or literally bowing in veneration, means 
to act in according with the teachings. Okay. Of necessity, you must be clear about the fundamental substance, that's the Buddha nature, okay, within. And if you find yourself in pursuit of anything, give it up and turn yourself around. Otherwise, look within and find uh, one's own true heart. If you found yourself getting distracted, okay, look within. Be still for just a moment. Take a breath. Okay, look within. The principle, again, the Buddha nature, will never desert phenomena, you know, this ordinary world. Okay? Since they, uh, phenomena, possess the treasure house of practice. Everything is an opportunity for practice. Everywhere is an opportunity for practice. Understanding a meaning such as this is called being in accord with the Dharma. We want to align our lives with the teachings of the Buddha. Bowing means respecting. Veneration refers to paying respect to one's true nature. Okay. So as we encounter situations um, within our hearts, we want to bow to the, our own Buddha nature and express that. Okay. Whatever the situation, whoever we're encountering, we want to um, see the Buddha nature and respect that. Bodhidharma continues. In subduing the darkness of ignorance, the shining forth of one's true nature is bowing in veneration. Because we would pay reverence to the teaching, we dare not cause injury or damage. Again, that's a fundamental teaching of the Buddha is to uh, do no harm, cease from evil. Um, even that becomes um, a difficult vow to keep, but we endeavor to do that, to do no harm, or at least as to as little harm as possible as the compassion that's underlying all of the precepts, okay, whether it's uh, the precept on um, killing or stealing, um, uh, coveting, uh, lying, uh, selling delusions, speaking against others. Uh, if you look, there's an underlying compassion in the precepts. Okay? Let's see. If someone is able to cut themselves totally free from desiring evil or that which causes suffering, while continually maintaining mindfulness of what is good, it is always called making an obeisance, making a bow even though we do not see any physical sign of it. Okay? Again, he's pointing us to, uh, below the surface. 
Whatever is made manifest is a physical sign. So if you desire to help those of worldly or selfish ways show humility in their hearts, you must subdue what lies outside yourself by showing some external sign of paying respect. Um, bowing, um, like all ceremonial forms, uh, is training the body. Body and mind are one. Yet sometimes, in practice, we start with the mind and then express that in body. Sometimes we start with the body and whatever we do with our body influences our mind. So these ceremonial forms are uh, working with our body in order to transform our minds. Okay? And also be body and mind are one. Okay? When you put such gestures to use, you let them show. But when you lay them aside, you know, when um, uh, there's not an opportunity to express them formally, you store them away so that when you again bring them outside, they illumine what is within you. Okay? You don't lose anything um, in daily life. That internal um, wishing to show respect and reverence to the Buddha is always there. You've just stored it up. Okay? By this means, outer and inner are in accord. Body and mind are one. Okay. Furthermore, if you do not put the teaching of this principle into practice and merely attach yourself to physical and mental things, there will be unrestrained greed and delusion within you as you continually do evil or that which causes suffering deeds. Otherwise, um, don't be attached to the form. <laughs> you know, you really got to get it into your heart. Okay. Um, um, if we don't pay attention, um, we're going to inadvertently uh, create suffering. And in the litany that we did um, um, this morning, um, Bodhidharma talks about that, about creating the, the three worlds and the four, six forms of um, existence that we give rise to when we um, indulge in greed, hate, and delusion. Okay? Those are called the three poisons. Okay? Bodhidharma continues... If what people do is merely external, it will be a meaningless display of physical signs of respect, which is not what is meant by making an obeisance. So when we bow, 
you know, whether it's in a ceremony or whether it's at home, we have a home altar. Um, when we offer incense, um, um, when we're just in uh, sitting in a beautiful natural setting and appreciating the the wind and the sun and the sky, uh, the mountains and the rivers, we give rise to gratitude and bow to that. And in that way, um, we remember to stay true to our true nature and bow to that in whatever circumstance we encounter. So I'm going to leave you with that um, today. And I think it's um, one of the many um, teachings that Bodhidharma gave. Um, uh, Buddhism was um, already uh, popular in China when he arrived, but the meditation trend, uh, tradition had not yet been taught or transmitted. So that's why he's considered the first Zen, or Zen just means meditation, the first Zen ancestor in China. And he had a pretty uh, rough go of it. You know, his, um, um, when he first arrived, um, he was called to visit the emperor. Now, this was common. The emperor was already a Buddhist and was very much attached to making merit, um, building temples and, you know, ordaining monks and, you know, just all these different forms of um, external uh, practices. And um, it was common, you know, when, you know, a, a new monk arrived, the, the emperor wanted to get the latest in the teaching. So I called Bodhidharma, you know, to come before him and ask him some questions. And one of the questions he asked is, you know, um, how much merit have I accumulated, you know, by building all these temples, by doing all these external forms? And Bodhidharma shook his head and said, none. <laughs> because um, the emperor was attached to um, the, the forming of merit. He was attached to the um, external form and was trying to get something. And Bodhidharma was saying, no, you just need to sit. You know, you need to realize your own true nature through meditation. Um, the emperor wasn't happy with this <laughs> reply, and Bodhidharma had to leave the country. Now, it said he uh, snuck off um, in the middle of the night and crossed the river into the neighboring a kingdom, um, and even there, it, people didn't understand what he was trying to teach. So, um, uh, and he didn't have his own temple. So, um, he um, sat in a um, temple of another tradition, and it said he he sat for nine long years. Now, um, um, 
sometimes it said, you know, he had to think about, well, that may not have been the best way to present the teaching. <laughs> yeah. So he had to sit, you know, and, and really clarify for himself what his teaching was. And um, it just, it's like with all of us, it takes as long as it takes. And um, so he sat, and eventually someone came along who um, uh, wanted his teaching and could understand. And um, that's Taizo Eka, or Hui Ko, who represents each of us, you know, as we encounter the Buddha Dharma, as we encounter the Buddha's teaching. Um, we can uh, realize that for ourselves. The teachings of the Buddha can be transmitted to each of us, and then we can pass that on in turn. Okay? And we do that, um, not necessarily formally, but just in our everyday life. It's important to remember that the Buddha was inspired um, to renounce the world, you know, um, to begin training in part because he saw a monk. He saw a renunciate. He saw someone who was practicing. Okay? And each of you are a person who practices. Um, Reverend Master Daisui, who um, was the second head of our order after Reverend Master G, who said, you actually can't help but teach. You know, your actions speak louder than your words. Each of you, you know, in your own everyday life are giving voice to the Dharma. You know, and you never know who you're inspiring. You, know, you're ne you never know who is learning from you. So it's important to be mindful. It's important to uh, um, try to give expression to your own true heart. Okay? So I'll leave you with that. And thank you again for all being here today. Um, and may you have a good week. So thank you. <laughs>